things about Freed Harmon University is that as a senior, you can live in something that's called privileged housing. And I love Freed Hardeman, don't get me wrong, but privileged housing is like normal housing for all other universities, where it's like an apartment-style living, and you get this nice kitchen and all that kind of stuff. I say all this to say I've been practicing my sweet tea-making over the summer. Because, as you know, down here in the South, uh, we have to have our sweet tea with anything we eat because we love to drink our calories. So, with that being said, I have two recipes of sweet tea that I need two volunteers to just help me out before we start the lesson uh, to see how I'm doing. And if it's awful, um, Georgie, you want to volunteer for something? I didn't mean to call you on the spot. I'm sorry. Come up here. All right. You're already up. All right. I need one person from this side, okay? One person. Come on. Be, let's, let's be exciting. This is, this is going to be fun. One person. Brother Donnie, would you like to volunteer? Okay. Thank you. Look. All right. So I did not get volunteers. I just uh, forced you into this. So. Um, the church has insurance if anything goes wrong, I believe. Okay. Coffee? I'm sorry. This is, um, this is sweet tea. Sorry, you're not allergic to sweet tea, are you? I don't, think, I don't that... drink sweet tea. Okay, well, this will be even better. You can tell me if it's good or not good. All right, so if y'all would, just take a sip and keep it, then go back to your seat if you want to. Share it. Is it good? Is it good? A little salty. A little salty. Is it seriously? Yeah. Okay, Georgie, is, all, is yours good? Mine's good. Okay, all right. All right, thank you. All right, that's it. Okay, I know that was different, and maybe it might have made some of you uncomfortable, but there's a purpose behind this, okay? I promise. This is what happened. There's, uh, as we discuss this lesson tonight, there's uh, a similar but different type aspect that we're going to talk about, and this is, this is what happened, Georgie. I would not drink that for your own health, okay? Because I had two piles of something that looked a lot similar to each other, right? Both of these piles look very similar. This is the difference. One was salt and one was sugar. So, yes, it did taste salty because I poured salt into the sweet tea. So, if, if you're just looking at two piles, they look very similar. But whenever you put them into your tea, uh, it's really different and n unpleasant. This happens with some other things. Look at this. All right? Have you ever been in that dazed state? Uh, I would say this for our young people, but a lot of our young people are in Miami right now. Uh, you're getting up, you're getting ready for school, you pour your bowl of cereal, you run to the fridge, you open up the fridge, and you grab the first thing that looks like a milk container, you pour it into your cereal, you take the first bite, and you spit it back out because it's buttermilk. Anybody ever done that? Okay, maybe it's just me. Buttermilk instead of 2% milk. They look really similar in the fridge, but whenever you start to taste them, it's really uncomfortable and nasty and different. All right, what about this one? Anybody ever been baking before? And you grab baking soda instead of baking powder, or maybe you grabbed baking powder instead of baking soda, and this recipe that you've been working on for like an hour and a half is now ruined whenever you get in the oven because they don't react the same way. Um, they look very similar, but they do different things. Okay, this one might be my favorite picture, not only because Meg's in there, but because of personalities. All right, so Meg, my girlfriend, is a twin. Now, she's not an identical twin, but she's standing up there with two of our friends from school who are also your friends, Katie and Claire Morris. You probably remember the Morris twins, especially whenever they were little. They're really hard to tell apart, right? Even today, whenever they have a ball cap on at school and, a, and they're hair in a ponytail, it's like, okay, are you Katie or are you Claire? Please tell me. Um, just kidding. We know them a little bit better than that. But I've, I've had that point where it's like, will you put your hair down so I can see your part, please, so I can know if you're Katie or Claire. 
It would be really uncomfortable and really awkward if you walked up to Katie and you called her Claire. It would be really awkward if you walked up to Claire and called her Katie. They look very similar, but they're different. I say all this to say... These things that are similar in our lives, that we have opportunities to interact with every day, and if we choose them wrongly, it has the potential to make a big impact on our life. Now, buttermilk, normal milk, not a huge impact, but it would start your morning off wrong, and it could lead to a bad day. But Jesus is about to tell us about these two other things that look very similar, that are very different, a sheep and a goat. In our day, in our, in our age, whenever we think of a sheep and a goat, uh, we normally think of both white animals. They may, may make a little different sound. Uh, one might have horns and the other not. One might be used as wool and the other uh, as a lawnmower. But uh, let's, let's be honest, they look really similar. But they have differences. But Jesus is about to explain in this parable that's also a prophecy. It's a really confusing thing if you let it confuse you about what part is prophecy and what part is a parable. But He's going to tell us that actually there's nothing alike about a sheep and a goat. That they might to us seem similar, but there's actually nothing in the world that is the same about a sheep and a goat. Nothing at all. Because in fact, in Palestine, in the, in the situation, in the culture that Jesus is telling this parable to, you know what color sheep would have been? They would have been black. Sorry, goats. Goats would have been black. They would have been a darker color and sheep would have been white. So Jesus is telling this to a group of men and a group of women that whenever He says, as a, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goat, they know it is obvious that there is a difference between what a sheep looks like and what a goat looks like. There is no confusing the difference. And as we dive into this parable and into this prophecy tonight, I want us to open our hearts and our minds about am I a saved sheep or a gone goat? Because anytime we talk to somebody that might not be religious or somebody that might be from a different religious background, what does the conversation always end up around? Do you believe I am saved or I am lost? Right? That's where the conversation normally ends up. I'm here to tell you tonight, it does not matter what Ben Coleman says if you are saved or you are lost. Do not bank on the fact if I tell you that you are saved or you are lost. Bank on the fact that Jesus will tell you if you are saved or you are lost. And tonight, the passage we're going to look at, Jesus is going to do that exact same thing. He's going to say, this type of person, when the Lord comes back in the end, will be saved. He's going to say, and this type of person, when the Lord comes back in the end, will be lost. So there's only two options for us tonight whenever we leave this building. We're either going to be a saved sheep or a gone goat. So if you would, let's open our Bibles and let's dive in together. Let's start there in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand with the goats on His left. Alright, let's stop right there. Before we go any further, there are five things that I want us to notice about the Judgment Day. Five things, real quickly. And these, these are taken from a sermon by W.A. Bradfield. Five things about judgment uh, that we can notice in these first three verses. There's a great day coming. Verse 31. 
And when the Son of Man comes in, all, in His glory with all the holy angels with them, and He will sit on His glorious throne. Acts 17 and verse 31 says, Because He has appointed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom He has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising Him from the dead, Him being Jesus. Judgment is coming. Tonight when you leave here, judgment is coming. Tomorrow when you wake up in the morning, judgment is coming. And next week, judgment is coming until judgment has come. There's no avoiding it at all. Judgment will come. And Jesus will be the greatest judge to ever live. Verse 31 again. And we can also reference John 5 and verse 22 that says, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. God will judge the world through His Son, Jesus Christ. The third thing about judgment that we can notice comes from verse 32. That all the nations will be assembled. The greatest assembly to ever be assembled in the entire universe, in the entire history of the world, will be assembled on Judgment Day. All the nations of the world will be present. Everyone that has ever lived, everyone uh, who is currently living will be present. Each person will be judged on an individual basis. Uh, It won't be according to which nation you were born in and if your nation was faithful or not, but it will be on an individual basis. The fourth thing is the greatest book will be open. Uh, This comes from Revelation 20 and verse 21. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And the fifth thing, the greatest separation and verdict will be made. The greatest separation and verdict ever to be made will be made. Verse 32, as it reads, As a shepherd divides his sheep from the goat. All the nations that are assembled on this day, Jesus will come and He will separate them as a shepherd separates his sheep from a goat. Now here's, here's what I want us uh, to think about. Numbers 1 through 4, do we have any way to change those? There's a judgment day coming. Ben Coleman can do nothing to change that a judgment day is coming. Ben Coleman can do nothing about the fact that Jesus is going to be the judge on that day. And honestly, I don't want to change the fact because Jesus is a pretty merciful judge. And He's a really merciful judge, actually. Uh, I can't change the fact that every person to have ever lived will be there. Ben Coleman cannot change that. And I can't change the fact that the greatest book to ever be opened will be opened on that day to judge man. But what I can change, what I can make a difference is, is on which side of the separation line will I be standing on when the Lord comes back? Will I be with the saved or will I be with the lost? So, as we continue to dive into this parable, as we continue to dig into this prophecy... I want us to look at this separation. What does a saved person in the eyes of our Savior look like? And what does a lost person in the eyes of our Savior look like and behave like? So, let's continue to dig in to this lesson, to this study together. The first thing is that sheep are shepherded and goats are too. Sheep are shepherded and goats are too. Verses 32 through 33 again. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Now, the thing about sheep and goats being shepherded, and the way that Jesus is talking about this, uh, there's something that we need to, to see here. Is, and it comes from verse 32. Is that we're all in the same field. We're all in the same field when it comes uh, to salvation. In Bible times, when we, and they would think about sheep and goats, they would understand that they would be kept in the same field. We can see this in Genesis 30 and verse 33, whenever Jacob is shepherding Laban's flock, and he's talking about, you know, if, if there's any uh, that, that are among my flocks that look this way, 
If there's any lambs among my flock that look this way and any goats among my flock that look this way, uh, come back and get me because my righteousness does not stand. So let it be. So Jacob is saying that the sheep and the goats are in his field. So this tells me in my life, whenever Jesus says literally that all the nations will be present, everyone will be present. Everybody that ever lived will be present. We're all in the same field on that judgment day. We're all there together. And we're in it together. But what does that also mean if, if we're in the same field? It means that not everyone has the same opportunity, but everyone does have an opportunity. Does that make sense? Everyone has an opportunity for salvation, but it might not be the same opportunity. Like tonight, we're in a place and a, a land that is free. As we celebrate uh, our freedom this week on July the 4th, uh, and we have this ability to assemble together and worship God and to learn and to grow together. We have a greater opportunity than some people around the world. And I'm so thankful for those that laid down their life so that we could have that freedom. But at the same time, if you look at Revelation, um, Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Everyone in the world has an opportunity to respond to grace, to respond to faith. Even if they haven't had the same opportunity as we have, because we are in the same field, we have the same opportunity to respond to grace. And that's where sheep and goats start. They're similar. They have the same opportunity. But here's where the differences start. Is that though they have the same field, we have different friends. As a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats, the word shepherd uh, infers this intimate relationship among his sheep. A shepherd knows his sheep. I think about in 1 Samuel 17, starting there in verse uh, about 34 through 37. You're going to see David, whenever he's going up to Saul, trying to defend himself, saying why he should go out and fight Goliath. Why somebody should put this Philistine giant to death that is just mocking their God. He says, you know what I did? I went out and I chased after the lion and the bear that had my father's lamb, and I killed them. The shepherd is willing to do whatever it takes to protect his sheep. A shepherd is willing to tend to them and to cleanse them and to heal them and to take care of them because he knows them. Therefore, if the sheep have a good shepherd, John verse 10 and 11, Jesus is that good shepherd, who are the sheep? Who are the sheep? What's the first instinct of who a sheep is that Jesus is talking about? Well, my mind directly goes to John chapter 15 and verse 14. Where Jesus says what? What does He say in John 15 verse 14? You are my friends if you do what? Whatever I command you. The friends, the sheep of Jesus are those that abide in His teachings, in His laws, in His commandments. Those are His friends. The sheep abide in Christ. Christ's friends are wise builders. They heed the words of, of Matthew 5-7. through 7. They, they lay their foundation to their life on Christ's teachings. His friends love God with all their heart, soul, and mind. And they love their neighbors as themselves. And, and God's friends, Christ's friends, trust Him to guide them, to protect them, to take care of them, and to lead them to green pastures. John 10 and verse 11, and then also Psalms 23. So if there is a good shepherd for the sheep, and that good shepherd is Jesus... Uh, if anybody loves to watch Disney movies, do we have any Disney fans? A few? Okay. If there's, if, there's a good, if there's a good character in a Disney movie, what does that also mean? 
there's, there's, a, there's a bad one, right? There's an evil one. There's, there's always an evil side if there's a good side. So if, if Jesus is the good shepherd, who then is the bad shepherd? I just want to read these verses and we, and we can discuss this about who the bad shepherd is. Jeremiah 17 and verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Proverbs 28 and verse 26. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, listen to this, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. So who's the bad shepherd? Somebody throw it out. Who's the bad shepherd? I am. Myself, when I start trusting myself to lead myself, when I start trusting myself knowing that I know better, that I know better than God, actually, God's given us an example of what happens. Uh, Paul writes the Romans uh, there in Romans chapter 1, whenever, we talked about this the last time I spoke, right? This uh, conflict that's going on in Romans between the Jews and the Gentiles. And he's pretty much just ratting out the Gentiles, Paul is. He's just telling them about how, how nasty and sinful they are. And, and, and Paul is writing there and he says that they've changed a few things, that they've exchanged God's glory for images there in verse 23. And in verse 25, he says that they exchanged God's truth for a lie, that they were themselves in control. And then verse 28, that, that the Gentiles in their sinful nature, they exchanged knowledge for their own knowledge, that they thought that they were better. So what did God do because they had just decided to trust in themselves instead of God? Scripture says that God gave them over to their own lust and passions because they had deliberately trusted themselves instead of the good shepherd. So Jesus is the good shepherd and the sheep are those who trust Him, that trust that He will lead them. And the, and the bad shepherd is the goats themselves. The goats lead themselves. The goats wander off and get into trouble by themselves. They're independent. They don't want to be with the shepherd. Therefore, as a result, verse 33 God, Christ, in His judgment, will give the sheep the place of honor on His right hand and the goats the place of dishonor on His left. So we know that sheep are shepherded by Jesus and goats are shepherded by themselves. And this would lead to obvious characteristic differences. And, and this would start allowing us to know where the ultimate difference is in sheep and goats that we always think about when we look at this passage. And this is, according to Christ, how He will be able to separate the difference between His sheep and the goats. And it's in this simple truth is that sheep show faith and goats do not. Sheep show faith. Verses 35 through 36. Let's read this together. Verse 35. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Sheep show faith and goats do not. It's, just, it's that simple. And, and how do they show their faith? They show their faith in action. They show their faith in action. Um, this automatically draws my mind to a passage in James chapter 2. If you want to flip there with me, James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. James chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or a sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are that are needed for the body, what does it profit? Verse 17, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. 
But, but someone will say, if you have faith and I have works, show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Now, let me take a side note real quick. Actions will not, cannot, and never will save you. We are only saved by the grace of God and the blood of the Lamb. We are only saved by that. But Scripture also says that if that salvation that we have through Jesus does not convict us enough to produce action in our life, our faith is dead. That you really don't care. That the blood of Jesus really doesn't mean anything to you. And therefore, you're a goat. Because if you continue to read there in verse 19... You believe that there is one God, you do well, even the demons believe and tremble. James writing here to the churches that have been persecuted, he says, guess what guys, if you say, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I believe there is a God, and that is as far as you go, and there's no, there's no action to back up the fact that you just said that I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, guess what, congratulations, you have a demon-like faith. Because even the demons believe and they tremble. So, if we just say, hey, I believe in Jesus, and then I go out and I do whatever I want to and I lead myself, we're going to find ourselves on the wrong side when the Lord comes back. Let's put faith in action. But not only in action, our faith must be founded in love. It has to be founded in love. What is the ultimate source uh, for why God sent His Son to even come and fulfill our need? It is because He loved us. His, his action was founded in love. And I want you to notice what type of actions uh, Christ says that they did. They fed the hungry, right? They gave drink to the thirsty. They clothed the inadequately clothed. And they visited the sick and imprisoned. These are simple actions that they did. There is nothing that would mean that you have to have all the money in the world in your bank account to be able to do this. There is no... You have to have five years of ministry training to be able to serve in this capacity. There is no... You need to have all the answers to all the questions before you can serve in this way. These are simple actions that Jesus is saying that are done. And He says, when you do them... Do them out of love. Do them because you love. And this is the reason. John 13, 35. By this, all will know that you are My disciples if you have love for one another. People will know that we are Christ if we love them and if we serve them. I'm reminded of a story about a friend that I, that I made uh, last summer. His name was Greg Armstrong. I believe I've shared this with you before. If I have, forgive me. Just listen to it. It's very powerful. Uh, this man, he's a crazy man, like would run 100-mile uh, races. Uh, and I just don't understand his athletic ability. But he was different on a physicality level, but also on a spiritual level. And whenever you met him, you knew that he was different. And this man went over to Liberia where there's a lot of leprosy. And, and these leopards would go to this hospital to get cleaned and cleansed of this leprosy. And then whenever they would leave, their villages would not accept them back in because they don't want leprosy in their villages. Anyways, they weren't contagious after they had been cured. And so as Greg was over there, he saw that there was a need uh, to put shoes on their feet. And because of the disease that they had had, uh, their feet were deformed and regular shoes would not fit them. 
And he always ran in this sandal called Teva. I don't know if you've ever seen them before, but it's this sandal that just has two straps on them. It's a really simple shoe. And he knew that those shoes would fit him. So he sent an email to the company Teva and said, Hey, can you send me some shoes to take over to this colony of lepers in Liberia so that I can put shoes on their feet so that they can be able to basically live? Because once you have the disease, uh, one of the main uh, side effects of that disease is you can't feel pain, so you don't know if you're bleeding out. Uh, so, so Teva sent him 75 pairs of their shoes, and he goes over there. And him and his team get down and they wash their feet, just like Jesus does in John 13. They wash their feet, and then they put the shoes, the sandals, on their feet. And then after their campaign was over, and they're starting to leave, uh, the chief of the village, uh, and remember, they're all leopards, came up to him and gave him a letter. And he uh, read that letter and they said, we thank you so much for the shoes. It's a great help. But at the, end of the, at the end of the letter, it said this one specific thing that whenever Greg was telling me this, it, it explodes your heart. He said, we thank you for the shoes. But most importantly, we thank you for the physical touch. Because no one has touched us in years. Thank you for showing us love. Whenever we show people love, Whenever we show that we're not afraid of what everyone else is afraid of because we have a Savior who cares and we show them that same care, it will change lives. And then Jesus says, My sheep show faith and they show it in love. Therefore, if sheep show faith, what do goats do? What do goats do? They have a faith failure. Because they had the same opportunities. They had the opportunity to, to, to feed the hungry and to give drink to the thirsty and to clothe uh, the naked and to go and visit those that were in prison and, and to go visit the sick. And they didn't do it. It reminds me of James chapter 1 also where James is saying uh, that there's, there's, there's two types of people. There's doers and there's hearers. That doers look into the perfect law of liberty and they see what's messed up in their life. And then they go and they do it. And then he said, there's hearers that look into the perfect law of liberty and they, they hear the same thing that the doers did, but they hear it and they walk away and they do nothing with it. That's what a goat is. They see the opportunity to serve and to be there and to show compassion, but they do nothing with it. They have a faith failure. Because I believe goats fall into two categories. They've either, one, never responded to the gospel. Goats have never responded to the gospel, or two, they've responded to the gospel, but they've done nothing with it. They're, they're the one with the congratulations, you have a demon-like faith type mentality. If I believe that there's a God and I believe in Jesus Christ, but you do nothing with it. Friends, let's be convicted to serve. Let's be convicted to serve. Because this is what it boils down to. Is, is that sheep are shepherded by Jesus and goats are shepherded by themselves. And, and that sheep show faith and goats do not. But what is Jesus trying to get to? Well, the next, uh, past, the next set of verses, I believe, reveals that to us. Verses 37 through 40. And that is, sheep are selfless and goats are not. Sheep are selfless and goats are not. Read this with me, verse 37. Then the righteous will answer him saying, 
Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. This this set of passages and and as the same will be said about the goats, the unrighteous, and they'll say, Lord, when did we see you in this shape? And he says, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. I have this thought and this feeling that Jesus is trying to help us understand this. There's two types of givers in this world. There's two types of people that serve in this world, sheep and goats. And these are the characteristics of them. A sheep is a character-giving. They are character-giving. They're character-givers. In that meaning, they give because it is who they are. They serve because it is who they are. And why is it because who they are? It's because it is who their Savior is. Sheep serve because the shepherd serves. What's the heart of our shepherd? Matthew 20 and verse 28 Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. And He even gave uh, an example to the disciples, and we just mentioned it, John chapter 13. Whenever He gets down and He humbles Himself as, as much as He can before He takes the cross. And He washes the disciples' feet. And listen to what He says in verses 15. Uh, Verses 14 and verse 15 there in John 13. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So sheep just serve because it's who they are. It's characteristically them. Sheep serve. So whenever Jesus says, Uh, And as much as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. They're floored. They're surprised. They're saying, Lord, when did we ever serve you? We didn't serve you. If we'd have served you, how? I mean, we would have known that. Man, that would have been such a blessing to be able to serve my Lord. And the sheep are like, why didn't I get to know that? They're they're floored. You see that Whenever, whenever they respond in that way. And one commentator says this, and I love how he says it. The sheep are quite surprised when they hear that they have been serving Christ. They had performed their acts of love and mercy unsolicited. Their kindness was spontaneous, and they were greatly surprised at the end when the king was so richly rewarded them. And that is the way it should be, unasked and unconcerned about praise. And the sheep's mentality of this way is because they live a Matthew 6, verse 3 lifestyle. In Matthew 6, verse 3, and Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, He says this, But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. A lot of times we'll hear that and we'll be like, we should give in secret or we should serve in secret and we should be so hush-hush about it that nobody really knows what's going on or that we're doing that. I believe this is what we should uh, take away from what Jesus is trying to teach here. Is that we serve so often and that we serve so much out of our nature and so much for not really wanting praise and that we just want to serve to help, that whenever our right hand is serving, our left hand doesn't think anything in the world about it. Because it is just who we are. It's just my right hand is serving again. And then whenever my left hand starts serving, my right hand doesn't care anything in the world because it's not unusual, it's not unnatural, and it's not for some praise from men. Because it is who I am. That's what a sheep is. They are character-giving people. But goats, on the other hand... Goats, what is Jesus uh, telling us that they are? Whenever they give, 
and they, and they don't give, they're this, they're charm giving. Charm giving, that they're looking for the praise of men. Uh, I'm, I think of this, in high school, I remember times whenever we had opportunities to serve or do volunteer service. And a lot of people only serve because they'll say, well, who will be there? Will the mayor be there? Will um, county elected officials or will the governor be there? Or will X, Y, and Z be there? Because if they're going to be there, then I'll be there to serve. And let me, let me make sure that I'm on their table. Because I want to make sure that I get in good with them. But if given the opportunity to go to a charitable organization around town or to serve with the church or, or whatever um, it would be, the, my peers would sometimes not show up. I can think of it as a youth ministry perspective too. Is we have a we have a youth trip planned, right? We're going to Six Flags, man. That's fun. I remember this last year. Uh, we go to at Mount Juliet. We go to Six Flags at the end of the year, and we take two charter buses to go down to Six Flags. It's like 120 kids, and as a as a youth minister, it's like your worst nightmare. I've got 120 kids I'm responsible for running around Six Flags right now. But then you go and you do a mission trip, and it's like I can barely load a 15 passenger van. Why? Because whenever it comes to giving, the goats. I want to know, how can I serve myself first? How can I take care of me? And Jesus often warns about this behavior and this mindset to the Pharisees and the scribes. And He even describes them in Matthew 6, verses 1 and 2, two verses previous to what we just talked about, Matthew 6, 3. He said this, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them, or otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. That The phrase for they have there at the end. They have the reward. Uh, it's the Greek word that... that would be common and you would almost see it at the end of a receipt, a peco. And, and it would mean for the grand total, the sum, the completeness of the reward. Jesus is saying if you serve just to put your own agenda, to just serve yourself, to put yourself ahead so that you can get praised, so you can be uh, awarded that award just because you did the most service, if that is your motivation behind serving... Congratulations, you've already received it. And Jesus says, those that serve because it's who they are, congratulations, enter into your Master's rest. I believe we can bullet down to this phrase. Goats give based off what they can receive, and sheep give based off what they've already received. Goats give based off what they can receive from men and the praise, but sheep give based off what they've already received from God, grace and mercy. There's character giving and there's charm giving, but sheep and goats are all Christ giving. And that's the last thing from this passage, uh, these verses that I want us to notice. Verse 37 through 40, Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. And he said the same thing, except for in a um, negative sense, to the goats. Assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Everyone is Christ giving. We're all giving Christ something. We're either giving him our everything or our nothing. Let's be sheep. Let's give Him our everything. Let's give because He's already given to us. So, 
here's, here's where we come to. It's this climax where we see sheep are shepherded by Jesus and that goats are shepherded by themselves and that sheep show faith in action, founded in love, and that, that goats have a faith failure and that, that sheep are selfless, but goats are selfish. So what does it mean? Where's the separation? Because Jesus says, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, so will the Son of Man when He comes in His glory. It boils down to this. It's simple. Sheep are saved, goats are not. Sheep are saved, goats are not. Uh, verse 34, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. In verse uh, 46, also he says there, he says, But to the righteous and to eternal life. Sheep are saved. I, I'm not going to explain anymore because it's self-explanatory. Those who find themselves with the characteristics of a sheep that we have just described, that Jesus has told us, will be saved when He comes in His glory. And also, He'll say to the goats, Depart from Me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared from the, for the devil and his angels, and these will go away into everlasting punishment. Goats are gone. I know that sounds really funny and making humorous of a heavy situation. But those who live their lives with the characteristics of a goat will find themselves uh, lost when the Lord comes again. But here's what we need to know. Is that they're seeking souls. That everyone is seeking to be saved. But Matthew 7, 13, verse 14. Enter by the narrow gates, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by in it. Because, the narrow, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. In the end, it's a sad truth, there's going to be more goats than there are sheep. So my challenge to us tonight, notice I said us, is to figure out where I land on the spectrum. Am I a sheep? Or am I a goat? Because this is applicable to everyone. Because whether we want to admit it or not, judgment is coming. You will be labeled in the end as a sheep or a goat. I will be labeled in the end as a sheep or a goat. There is no avoiding it. So tonight, I want us to truly dig in and think, am I a safe sheep or am I gone goat? Because if you want to admit it or not, there is no other option for us in the end. So I want to present to you three challenges. Three challenges. These are very specific and I would encourage you to write them down so that we can do these together. From this lesson, I want us to think about how we can apply it in these three ways. Tonight, this is very specific because it's very urgent because judgment might come tonight. Tonight, take time to personally reflect about your life, about my life, to think, am I a saved sheep or a gone goat? Do not leave here tonight if you think you are a gone goat. If you do not have the Lord and Savior as your shepherd, if you have not been immersed into baptism, if you have not put on Christ, you have not accepted the gift that has been given to you, the blood of Jesus Christ, do not leave here tonight as a gone goat. Think about it tonight. This week, this week, look for ways to serve the least of these. There are opportunities around us every day. And in fact, don't just look for opportunities, pray for opportunities. I believe in prayer. I believe that, that God answers prayer. That We have proof of that in His Holy Scriptures. Pray for opportunities to serve the least of these. And when they arise, let's do them. And let's, let's show them love. And the third thing, and then the lesson is yours. This is a big one. This is big picture. Look for ways the rest of this year to be shepherded by Jesus.
Look for ways that we can be better sheep of Jesus. Maybe that's being in His Word more because the only way for Christ to talk to us is in His Word. The only way to learn more about Him is in His Word. Maybe that's uh, being present more physically or mentally here at church. Or maybe that's more alone time and prayer time with God. But whatever it is for you, look for ways to be a better sheep the rest of this year. So that's all I have. I know this is a heavy lesson and, and I've taken a lot of, a lot of your time. But, but it's so important and passion to me, passionate that we, in the end, can be together in heaven again. Not one soul here tonight will leave here without the opportunity to respond to the Gospel. Not one soul here tonight has, has, uh, has not been given an opportunity to become a saved sheep. So if you're a gone goat, or if you're a sheep uh, that's been wandering away, you're the one of the 99 that's wandered away, and you're wondering when the shepherd's going to come to you, well, let's, let's turn around and start walking back home because the shepherd gonna, is going to meet us there. So whatever your need is, uh, whether it's prayers, encouragement, uh, or you're ready to put Christ on in baptism and to receive your crown and glory, uh, let that be known as we stand together and as we sing.